Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, 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 I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, for your Word. I just pray right now, Lord, as we reestablish the vision of new life, Lord, that we would not just be those that see it or hear it, but do it, Father, that we would be those that build our house on the rock because we are doers of the word and not just hearers, Father. So we thank you as we continue forward through this vision, Lord, uh, that we would begin to reach our community, Lord, reach the lost around us, Lord. And, uh, Lord, that many would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord. But as I preach the word this morning, that the Holy Spirit would come upon those that hear it, and it would change their lives, Father, in Jesus' name, that we truly would never be the same, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So uh, our reference scripture for this series on 2023, All In, today we're on communion, and we'll get there in just a moment is Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and it says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, But at the end, it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it it will surely come, and it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Amen? So our vision is based on these four things, and then uh, the reason why we gather in church is what we've been covering as far as our vision. But, um, you know, nowadays everything has to be shortened. Right, you go to YouTube and you can get a message in three minutes. <laughs> right, if you if you uh, you know you're on your phone or you're on Facebook or whatever, and you go to one of those reels, if it's longer than a few seconds, you're done. You're moving on. Right, so our our society, our culture has turned into something that's uh, everything needs to be shorter. Uh, our names of our churches have turned into just one word. Right. So uh, a lot of it is to reach the, the generation that's being raised now. So we took our vision, and uh, when my wife and I planted our church uh, in the land before we came here and merged into New Life, uh, our vision was to uh, win, consolidate, disciple, and send, yeah. right? Win people, consolidate them into the church, disciple them, and then send them out to do the same thing. And that was our vision. And when we came here, we realized that maybe that wasn't really understood enough or simple enough for people to understand. So we just changed the wording to we want people to know God. We want people to find freedom. We want them to discover purpose. And we want them to make a difference. 
Now, these four things are part of our main part of our vision, and we are teaching this in detail in our plantings class. We've already done two of them. We have our third class this Wednesday. Um, if you're new and you would like to join us in that class, you can. When we do the plantings class again, then you can make up the ones that you've missed, but you're welcome to join us um, in the plantings class this coming um, uh, Wednesday night. If you are going to join us, please sign up to make sure that we have enough uh, booklets and things that uh, we hand out during the class, uh, and I'll be ready for you when you come in. And then, uh, I've, as I have said before, the word church, this came to me through a vision that I had out-of-body experience, um, and, and I wasn't having flashbacks from my druggy days or anything like that. <laughs> it was an actual spiritual experience, and uh, I wrote this down. As I was writing it down, I wasn't in my own. We were in a prayer service. I wasn't in my own body. I was just kind of, my body was writing it down, but my spirit was somewhere else. And the Lord gave me this, and it didn't give me any detail, just gave it to me just like this. The word church is an acrostic, number one. Uh, the first C is community. The church is here to serve our community, not for our community to serve the church. Harvest, if I could spell church differently, I would have put the H on top. But it's spelled this way, so harvest, we should be, every church should be out for the lost. It's God's heartbeat. The only reason we're still here and the church is still available is because the church of, the church that God created is the platform for the gospel. We need to get back to that. The you, unto him, everything that we do around here is unto God himself. We always ask for his permission. We always ask for his direction. We ask for his clarity. Uh, we believe in the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts and to our minds and leading us in all things. So we like to keep uh, man's fingerprint off of the church. And we do that by uh, part of our vision is that we always seek unto him and everything that we do is unto god here so it's not unto us remember we were talking about that and i said that and some of you perked up i said it's not about me it's not about the pastors it's not about the elders it's not about right it's about him and uh i remember when earl glisten was here he's the director for rama bible training center for the state of florida in the caribbean and while he was here, he used wording that because he went on our way, he's, he's so great when he visits, he goes on the website of the church he's preaching, and, uh, and he finds out and gets little phrases and wordings that we use, and he used the word under-shepherd. And, uh, you know, sometimes we as pastors, we want to take that position of the head of the church, but the head of the church is Jesus. I'm just an under-shepherd, right? And I, I was so delivered, and it was such a release of burden when I started to understand the, the, the way God set up the church and the way that he entrusted the under-shepherd with the sheep. But just because he entrusted us doesn't mean that the sheep belong to me. Right? They belong to him. So you all belong to him. We're all sheep in his pasture, right? So And he is the main shepherd. But he has placed the fivefold ministry in place for the edification of the church, and we believe in that. And then last week was restoration. I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed preaching that message. I know it was a little difficult for some, and, and uh, uh, I, it, at points I may have sounded like I was a little upset, but I really wasn't. I was just excited for what God was speaking to his church. 
uh, about restoration. And today we're covering communion, the next C, and then next week we will cover H for home, which basically just means that we minister to everybody from the little babies all the way to the, the seniors. Um, yeah, and we try to here at New Life Bible Church. So, and then the, the scripture in which the Lord gave us to begin our ministry, my wife and I, in planting a church was in Genesis chapter 28, verses 3 through 4. I've said this before. Uh, it's written on the, on the plywood underneath this flooring here. Uh, when we were laying this flooring, we wrote the scripture right here. I'm standing on top of it, standing on the word. <clears throat> so Genesis 28, 3 and 4 says, May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. I love that way he adds the S there. Um, may he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now live as an alien or a stranger, the land God gave to Abraham, right? Make you fruitful, increase your numbers, and let me explain that real quick as before I continue. You know, we say that the church uh, uh, grows, and sometimes the church doesn't grow. It swells. Yeah. There's a difference between the church growing and the church swelling. So there's something going on really good down the street at another church, and people begin to leave the churches around them, and they go there because there's something happening over there. And we find out about it, and we go over there. Or they have special guest speakers that we love, and then we end up staying there, right? And that church gets full. But all those people were already saved. They were already part of the body. It just went over there, and that part of the body swole up, <laughs> right? right? The church grows when people get saved. That's how growth happens. Because the body of Christ, the body, we are not the church. We're just part of the church. And, you know, we always teach this as the body of Christ being, uh, uh, you know, like we can say we are the body of Christ and we can say each one of us has. I believe the body of Christ is all over the world and each church is a member of it. Yeah. Isn't that different thinking than just each person in the church being a member? But each church is a member of the whole body because he's not a church of the United, he's not a God of the United States. He's a God of the world. Yeah. So there's churches all over the world that are part of the body of Christ, and we all have a responsibility. And that's why sometimes you go to different churches and you see different things. It's like, that's just a hand, and that's a foot over there, and that's a, right? Um, there was a church, uh, uh, I won't mention the name, but there was a, a church that I got the opportunity. I used to listen to Christian reggae. I used to love Christian reggae a lot many years ago. And there was a reggae group coming to that church, and I went. And the church was full of youth people. I got there to the parking lot, and half the parking lot was shut down because they were skateboarding, and they had these, these things out front and everything. And so I get there, and, and they had no chairs there was no, because it was a concert, so they had no chairs. So I kind of stood in the back, and I got to talk to the pastor there. And his vision for his church was to evangelize the people around them. And they were all surfer dudes and skateboarding kids and teenagers and stuff. And the church was packed with these people. I was probably the oldest guy in there, except for the pastor. So we were sitting there, and I'm looking. I'm going, wow, look at the, the mission that this church has. <clears throat> but that church did not have the mission of discipling. So the people would get saved, and they would stick around for a little while, and then they would leave, and they would stick around for a little while, and they would leave. So I went, and I spoke to the pastor. At the time, I was at Rock Church, and I spoke to the pastor and said, listen, if you've got people that are coming through here, we've got quite a good discipleship program going on over at Rock Church. Send them to us, and we'll disciple them. 
And then somebody else may be able to send them off somewhere, you know, and they don't belong to anybody in particular. And sure enough, a few of those people started coming to our church. A few of those men ended up part of my uh, life group, my men's life group at the time. And uh, you you would have loved my men's life group. We had, I had one guy that had tattoos from his neck all the way down, you know, as far as, you know, when he's wearing clothes, as far as you can see, right? Another guy had dreadlocks down to here. Nicest guy you ever met. We had a uh, guy. We had one guy that 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 cussed. He was just. He had a, quite a language going, and and but he came, and little by little it started going away, and little by little nobody ever judged him. Uh, we had another guy that that all he could talk about was the girls, how they liked him, and and all that. And but it was such an eclectic group, but. They were all just baby Christians, and they just wanted to grow, and they wanted to learn, and they wanted to be discipled, and we were able to do that for them. So each one of us has, we are a community of peoples, right? And oh, when the church grows, it's because people are getting saved, not because people have moved from one to, oh, how's church? Great, man. We just got so many people. Where'd they come from? From the church down the street? Well, you didn't grow the church. Just because your church is growing doesn't mean the church is growing, right? So last week we covered restoration and saw that the church is the workshop where God, the master restorer, works. And we spoke about the, uh, the, the tools in the workshop, in the, in the church that we called the workshop. And God moves here uh, by using the fivefold ministry as tools. And those are hand tools. Those are manual tools that you use. And then there are power tools that happen in the church, which is through the Holy Spirit. And those, I had those in my notes, and I didn't say it last, last week, but I wanted to say it this week because the Holy Spirit is the power tools, and those are the ones that work faster, right? You know, you can take a screwdriver and put a, a screw in, but then you take a, 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 an electric screwdriver, a power tool, and it puts it right in. That's how the Holy Spirit operates. But sometimes the, the fivefold ministry, it takes time and patience and teaching and the word and the renewing of the mind, and right? Those are their manual tools in the church. But we believe that the church is the workshop, and, and God can restore anything and anybody, any relationship. It doesn't matter if you ran from the Lord for 60 years. He can restore you in a moment. I believe that you could fulfill your purpose and destiny for, your, for you being born in just a moment's time after wa- what we call wasting your whole life. I believe God can do that. I don't think you get to the end of your life or at, at 50, 60, 70 years old and, and you finally get saved and the Lord says, well, it's too late now. I just can't see God saying that. I see God going, all right, I got you now, let's go, Right? You're going to do your work now, and you're going to fulfill what you were supposed to do. (laughs) So today, we will be having communion, very important part of what we do here at New Life. Now, I'm just going to be ministering on communion, on the bread and the wine, and and, and going from the Old Testament all into the, uh, through the New Testament to show you how this meal, uh, it's funny how it's always a meal. He sets a table in the midst of your enemies. What do you do at a table, right? You eat. When, when Gideon was set up on a hill, the, the enemy had a dream that a piece of barley bread came down and destroyed their camp. What do you do with barley bread? You eat it. There's something about the eating and the drinking. There's something about that that gives us victory. One day, maybe when we get there, we'll get the full knowledge of it, but there's something about the table. 
So we'll be having communion, but we are, we, you know, in, in this word communion, we have all our sacraments. We believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the baptism in water. We believe in marriage between a man and a woman. We believe in the, in the basic sacraments of the church. But today we'll be just covering uh, communion. So um, just wanted to let you know, the Old Testament is a preparation for the new. Uh, we like to use it in Bible school, they use the words types and shadows. So in the Old Testament, you know, some people say, we're a New Testament church. And, you know, the old just passed away and we, we are a new and better covenant, which is all true. We live under this new and better covenant. But this new covenant wouldn't be new if we didn't have the old. Amen. Right? And the old was the, the tutor or the arrow that pointed, the teacher that pointed towards the new. Because if the new just showed up, Without the old, we wouldn't understand it. We wouldn't know what was going on. We would just say, okay, I guess that's what... We, we still don't understand it all. That's why it requires faith. But without the types and shadows of the Old Testament, the prophets of the Old Testament prophesying and letting us know what was about to come. We're going to talk about that in a minute. The unblemished lamb. How many times did we hear that in the Old Testament? And now we're going to come to the table. To, t to partake of that unblemished lamb. Exodus chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 3 through 7, and then I'm going to jump to 12 through 14. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, this is to Moses, saying, God's telling Moses, on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household, you and your house shall be saved. For, I, I added that by the way, and if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. The unblemished lamb can be shared with all the neighbors in every area of the whole world, and there will still be enough. Yeah. Share the lamb with your neighbor. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish. Remember that. A male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then... The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts on the lentil of the houses where they eat it. A sign. The lamb was slaughtered here. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, Remember the 10th plague. Both man and beast against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over. The plague shall not be on you to destroy you in the land of Egypt. Am I dying here? Is that why you keep going in and out? So this day shall be to you a memorial. Translation, in remembrance. Sound familiar? And you shall keep it 
as a feast to the Lord through your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. No one can change it. No one can remove it. No one can say this is not happening again. It's going to continue, even though it may be called something other than Passover in the, in the near future, right? So he's saying, is this going to happen? Remember the first C for community? We spoke of the assembling of God's people, and we said, you know, it's very important that we assemble. It is in this kind of assembly that God moves, and in this kind of assembly that he speaks to his people. Can you be the church outside the four walls? Yes. But what happened is we took that saying, yeah, we're the church, I'm the church, so I'm the church out there, so I don't have to come here. You're not part of the church unless you come here. It's pretty simple. I mean, to me, forsake not the assembling of my people. But let me show you this. God says to Moses, gather my people. Assemble my people. Take my community of peoples and assemble them together, and I will give you the message for them. And the message was, take a lamb, an unblemished one, kill it, share it with your neighbor if it's too much for your household, put the blood on the doorpost. What happens if you miss church that day? Your firstborn, you would not have blood on your doorpost. God's been assembling his people from the very beginning. And we can go through, you know, uh, 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 when they were in, in, in the wilderness and they all separated themselves and he held up the rod with the serpent on it and those that were near him and looked up at the serpent lived and those that didn't because they separated themselves, they died. He assembled his people around the man that God chose to lead them. And some chose not to. You're not part unless you're connected. That's why communion is part of our vision. You know why? Because we do it in remembrance. Not dismembered. If you're not part of this and we're not able to break bread together, you're dismembered. But if you come and gather, and in the Old Testament, this was called the showbread, right? And you came to eat it, and they said, don't come into the church to eat it because you're hungry, because people would come to church, oh, the showbread. <coughs> Excuse me. They would have ministers that would stand there like guards to keep people from eating it inappropriately, protecting the showbread, protecting the table. Now he says, come and eat. <laughs> the Old Testament Passover commemorated the children of Israel's deliverance from the hand of Pharaoh's tyranny in Egypt. So in the Old Testament, Egypt, remember the types and shadows, represent, uh, uh, represented or was a type or shadow of sin. So the Israelites' deliverance. Today when we take communion, we celebrate our spiritual deliverance from the bondage of sin, which is still Egypt, right? Through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So communion could be called the New Testament Passover. 
Is it okay to say that? This is the saving of souls, or we can go back to what? The second, uh, um, the H, the second letter in the vision. I need two. Can you bring me a couple of batteries? You know, it's not the battery? Okay. <laughs> we'll keep going. I don't know, maybe my belly's pushing on it or something. <laughs> what are you guys laughing at? <laughs> Thank you. The other one with a belly is, is copying for me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Got to stick together, you us guys. All right? You got my six. <laughs> In John chapter 1, we see John calling Jesus the Lamb of God several times. In the book of Revelations, Jesus is referred to as the Lamb many times. We sing the song, Worthy is the Lamb, and that is also from the book of Revelations. So you see the type and shadow of what the Lamb was. Let me just say this, because I'm not going to cover that today, but you know, uh, I actually, I'm going to read in a minute, but Jesus, when he gathers his 12, and he says, this is my body and this is my blood, they didn't have the hindsight that we have. So before he says that, he's gathered with his, I believe at that time it was 700, I want to say, but he had 700 followers, then he went down to 300, then 12 um, 370 or 72 as, as depending on which gospel, then 12 and then 4. So here we are with the 12. These guys stuck around, okay? So here we are with the 12, and he's got his, his guys with him. And, uh, uh, you know, he tells them, this is my body. But before he says that, he says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, before he got to the second part, people were already walking away. Can you imagine? What if he pulled out a knife? <laughs> Unless you eat, they didn't know. We know when he says that, we already know. No, it, it's, it's bread and, and juice because we read, we went to the end. We read ahead of time, right? <laughs> we read the end from the beginning. <laughs> but they didn't know what was coming up. What a relief. When he sits at the table and says, this is my body, Whew, I'm glad I stuck around. They trust in him. Jesus institutes, that's why I was saying that, institutes this meal in uh, Matthew 26, 17 through 29. Now on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? city on a certain to a certain man and say to him the says my time is at hand I don't want to use it in my <laughs> I'm giving in here Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. 
Matthew 26, 17 through 20. On the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat this Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Let me stop there for just a moment. Because I heard somebody called me. They, they, they don't live, they live in another state. And they called me to ask me this question. Is Jesus rich? Is he, is he, does, is, was he considered rich? Like, because they, they heard a message on prosperity, and they said, you know, the pastor said that Jesus was rich, but then he just taught prosperity and did not, and I'm not being critical. I know the Lord led him to do what he needed to do, but there's a second part to that. Jesus did have the opportunity or the access to riches. Every time this guy asked for something, they just gave it to him. Go get me the colt. Go get me the, the, the donkey and the colt with it. And the guy just, oh, the rabbi asked, for, okay, take it. Tell him to set up for the Passover. Twelve guys. That man that owned that house set up in the upper room and set up all those the food enough for 12 people, 12 men, hungry men. Jesus had access, yet he chose to live the way that he did. So just saying he's rich, if he would have lived like a rich man, he would have never reached all the people he did. Think about that. That was just a little side note. That one's for free. 19, so the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When an evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. At this point, they all had. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe, woe, woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not even been born. Then Judas, who was, be who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? Am I busted? Did you figure it out that it's me? He said to him, you have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. See, that's why I need both hands. Took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup. And gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, all of you. He didn't say, all of you but Judas. He said, all of you, drink. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You know what I see there? Even you can be forgiven, Judas. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day that I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Oh, I can't wait to approach a table up there. I don't know about you, but the bread and wine must be much better up there. Right? 
I don't know what bakers or winemakers they got up there, but they're probably the best. Napa ain't got nothing on their wine. Now I can tell you it ain't going to be, no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> it's going to be the good wine. It's a wedding feast, right? So here we see Jesus restoring the religious act of the Passover into a sacrament that will uh, cause us to remember him until he returns. He's telling you, do this, right? But in John's account, right, John had a very different perspective on a lot of things. John's account of the Last Supper, we see Jesus reveal to Judas that it was him by dipping the bread in the wine and handing it to Judas. What a sign that was to Judas. This is my body. This is my blood. And he handed it to Judas. As in, you're going to betray me. This has to happen because the prophet already said so. And you've been set up to do this, and you're going to do it. But there's opportunity for you to repent. There's opportunity for you because my body and my blood will be broken and shed for you too. Because if there were one, just one, that would not be able to receive that, then none of us would be able to receive it. That says something about salvation, doesn't it? I love that sound. I don't know about you. So he gave Judas the opportunity. So now that we've seen the restoration of the Passover into what we call communion, today let's see how it was established in the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 34, we usually read this right before we take communion, but we're going to read it now, and then we're going to begin to prepare uh, for the bread and the wine. I'll let the elders know when I'm ready. So uh, 23, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant, new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That is, I mean, this whole portion of Scripture, Scripture is powerful no matter where it's at, right? But man, that is, that's what sets everything in motion right there. It proclaims his death. It's like, what is that? If you call the Old Testament, New Testament, or will, you can call it a will or covenant, right? So a, a will or a covenant is not, it does not go into place until the testator of that testament dies. How many of you know you cannot receive the inheritance that's been prepared for you from any person in your family until that person dies? Unless they decide to come and say here, but then it's up to them. But then once they're gone, whatever is written on that will and testament has to come to pass. They get an advocate. They have an advocate, a lawyer come, an advocate. You guys, if anybody knows that Jesus has been called an advocate, they get an advocate to sit down and read to you what actually now belongs to you because the dead person can no longer have it. 
When Jesus died on the cross, that covenant, that new covenant, that new testament, that new will came into effect. So everything you read in there is yours. It's ours. Because he died. Oh, and thank the Lord that he did not just only die. He resurrected three days later because he said so. So if he could keep, if he could keep his word on the fact that he would, he would rebuild the temple in three days, if he could keep his word that he would resurrect three days later, he can keep his word on everything else that the New Testament gives us. Amen? Thank you, Lord, that we proclaim his death. When you come to the table today, declare that all the promises of God are yes and amen in your life. Why? Because he died and he resurrected. Proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We could just stop there, right? Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. There's a, 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 an understanding, I don't know if that's the right word, a reverence. There's a reverence for this in the Catholic Church that we need to probably glean from. Now, they've taken it to the point of it actually becoming the body and actually becoming the blood, the transfiguration that happens when you eat it. We, that is not in the Bible, and we don't believe that actually happens. But there's a... There's a, a, a I don't know what it is. It's just there's a reference about it when they come to the table. There's a, there's a holiness about it. There's a, right, we need, to, we need to, there's something there that we need to glean from. Something from, from where we know what the Bible says and what they, uh, uh, the, how they act about it. it. There's something there that we really need to, need to, to, to learn. Teach us. Teach us, Lord. Teach us. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body for this reason. Many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to correct us and discipline us. For Hebrews 12 says, if he does not, then he doesn't love you. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll take my spanking now, Lord. <laughs> Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Why is it saying that? Because it's telling you, get ready. It's telling you, search out your heart. Make sure that you don't have anything there that can be judged. In other words, make sure that you're not judging someone else and that you're not judging yourself. In other words... Forgive so that you may also be forgiven. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. So he gives us this, and then he says, the rest I'll set in order when I come back. This is like a, 
This is like the ending. This is like, this is, you're going to do this in remembrance of me, but the rest of it, don't worry about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix it all when I come back. When I come, just, just come to the table, and the rest I will take care of. Man, I can't wait till he comes back. Right? There's that, that thing that uh, Pastor Fred likes to do. You know, who wants to go to heaven? And, you know, and who wants to go to heaven now? And you go, well, you got to die to do that. And not everybody wants to die, right? <laughs> right? But this is a heaven on earth experience. He said, do this in remembrance of me until I come back. This is it right here. I'm giving you something to experience me on earth until I come back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the table. Thank you for the table. Amen? So this morning, I just want to uh, take a moment. We, you have that, um, that background, that's the communion background. It has a little song. I believe it's coming to the table or something like that. But um, we're going to play that. But I'm going to give you a couple of minutes before I ask you to come up front. And I want you to just pray and search your heart and get right with God. Let's all get right. Huh? If you don't get right, you get left. <laughs> let's get right. Amen? And let's not take this meal in an unworthy manner. But you know, the only real prerequisite to this meal is not just getting right as a Christian, but becoming one. So we have to give an opportunity here today. If there's anybody in the room that has not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, before you come to the table, give me your hand and we'll pray. Show me your hand and we'll pray with you. And then you'll be worthy of coming to the table because he makes you worthy. Not because you do, but he does. And that's the reason for the table. It makes us worthy. Anybody? Awesome. Praise the Lord. So I want to ask you to kind of dim the lights back there. Go ahead and put that background on, and then uh, I'm going to pray up here. I'm going to ask somebody to please go get the children's church, and if you want to, you know, have your, your kids come in with you. I heard something. I heard something from over here, but now when the lights are down, I can't see. But uh, let's just take a moment now and, and search our hearts. Amen? start on the outside the outside looking in this is where grace begins we were hungry we were thirsty with nothing left to give oh the shape that we were in and just when all hope seemed lost Love opened the door for us He said, come to the table Come join the sinners who have been And these thieves, 
this morning as we approach your table remember we remember what happened at that cross we remember and Lord everything that has been given to us because of your body and your blood will come into effect as we partake this morning Lord Healing will come to our bodies. Deliverance will come to our souls. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Restoration to all areas of our life. You paid the ultimate price. And we remember. And we proclaim your death until you return. We'll never see that the same. We proclaim your death until you return and set it all right. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So as when you're ready, we can put that song back on. Whenever you're ready, just go ahead and make your way to the table. Our elders are prepared to serve you. And hang on to it when you go back to your seat, please. And then we'll partake together.
Father. We love you, Lord. We praise you. Your blood, your body. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. It's by the stripes on that body that we are already healed. As we partake of this bread that represents that body. Let it bring healing and wholeness to our bodies and to our lives. In Jesus' name, let's partake together. Thank you, Lord, for your blood washes us white as snow. The power is in the blood. All I can think of, Lord, is one drop on the ground made the whole earth shake. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your blood. It protects us. It keeps us. It cleanses us. Empowers us. 
and we partake together in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I want to encourage you as often as we do this. We need to do this as a church together because it, it unifies us, right? It's part, of, it's part of our vision. It's part of who we are. But it says as often as you do this, I would encourage you to do this at home with your children and your family. Gather them together. When we had our kids at the house, we would gather them together and have communion together. Not just the bread and the wine, but then you commune for a little while. <laughs> Sometimes it's so hard to get everybody to stop for just a moment. When he was being crucified, everything stopped. <laughs> everything stopped. Because the earth knew that its salvation was at hand. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Father. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that many of us were searching our hearts and, and forgiving others and forgiving ourselves, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that that would be something that we do on a regular basis, yeah. that we search our hearts. Search me, O oh Lord. If there's any iniquity in me, cleanse me. Yes, cleanse me of all iniquity. Thank you, Lord. thank you, Lord, that we would be those that are constantly asking you to search our hearts. Yeah. Lord, and as we leave here today, Lord, we go to our prospective homes or places, but Lord, we are the body. We are in unity, Lord, because we are a community that takes communion together. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for that revelation. In the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we all said, amen, amen, amen. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.